really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. Okay, if you could be seated, please. And we're going to have a, a short video of the reading today. Thank you. On Sabbath, when Jesus went to a house of prominent Pharisee, he was careful watch. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed, how the guests picked the places of honor at the table. He told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. The host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat then. Humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. When, when you are invited, take the lowest place. So when your host comes, he'll say, my friend, take a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the others. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Well, that's an original way of doing the reading. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, isn't it? Well, in introducing what I was going to say today, I thought I would sing you a song. But then I remembered the RSPCC. You know, the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Congregations. So I thought I'd better not, and Marine wouldn't let me anyway, but I thought I might mime, <laughs> mime it. It's just one verse of, of a song that will introduce it. Oh, Lord, it's so hard to be humble 
continuing in our, our series Meals with Jesus and this is the fifth one called The Best Seat in the House and in the reading that we had today the, first of all we noticed that uh, Jesus went to have a meal with one of the, the chief Pharisees prominent man and there's a lot of people there and the people who came were watching Jesus to see what he was up to because they knew there was a man that needed healing and they knew that Jesus wanted to heal him but they also knew it was the Sabbath and so they didn't they wondered would Jesus dare heal him on the Sabbath well he did but that's not really the part of the message I'm doing because not only were they watching Jesus Jesus was watching them and he was seeing how they were all arguing they all wanted the best seat in the house and that reminds me of a, an incident I had many years ago when my early travels to India. We had been at, at, in Chennai at a meeting, and on the way back, Pastor Thanker Chan, I was with, he said to me, he said, Oh, David, we must just call him. There's this other meeting, and I just need to go and show my face. You know, somebody, Pastor's having a, a, a celebration of I don't know how many years in ministry so we need to go there and it would be a big meeting just for go and we'll spend a little time and then we'll come out well we went in there and I looked and it was big and, but I noticed at the front there was a lot of pastors there and you always know in India they're pastors because they're all wearing white and, they're all, and they were all trying to get onto the stage they had row of seats on the stage and I watched and I thought this is interesting and you could see them, and a person trying to keep control was having to say to someone, no, you can't, you've got to sit down there. But they all wanted to be on the stage. Some were picking up chairs and going there. And I thought, this is, this is interesting. But they finally managed to get it more or less done. One of the guys that was making such a big fuss, they managed to fit him in just on the edge. And then I thought, this is, this is nice. But then they suddenly saw me and Pastor Thankachan. And... I thought this is going to be trouble because when they see a white face they assume I'm important and they want me to go and sit on the stage. <laughs> so they said, come, 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 come. And I said, no, there's no room, no, no room. They said, we'll make room. And they went up there, they got another chair and they tried to fit it in. And poor guy on the end fell off. <laughs> and I thought, if they ask me to preach, I know what I'm going to be preaching on. <laughs> about wanting the best seat in the house. But what I want to look at is this whole thing of, of, of pride. We're going to look at pride and humility this morning. And looking in, in three headings, the perils of pride, the promise of pride, sorry, promise of humility, and purposeful application. A good preacher always has three points beginning with the same letter. <laughs> so I was told somewhere. So let's first of all look, look at the perils of pride. Now the, the very first sin which preceded Adam and Eve was basically pride. You can read in Isaiah, it talks about Satan 
rebelling against God. Satan wanted worship. He wanted to be up there with God. And that was pride. He wanted to be number one. And because of that, there was, as he tried to get the other angels to come and worship him, a third of them got kicked out of heaven. And when we look at when he came and he tempted Adam and Eve, the root of that was, was pride. He said, God doesn't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you will become like God. You will be like God. And God doesn't want that. And so, but they were tempted and they ate. And I would say that, that pride is one of the biggest problems that mankind has. And I would be so bold as to say it's one of the biggest problems that we have. It's one of the biggest problems that I've had to deal with in my life. Proverbs 16.5 says this. It says, everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Now, there are many other verses, but that is a very powerful verse. Pride is an abomination to God. It's not just, oh, it's a little thing he doesn't mind. It's an abomination. He hates it. And pride is something that infects a lot of our thinking and our attitudes and everything else. And God hates it. Pride is basically self-worship and self-preservation at all costs. Pride is excessive preoccupation with self and one's own importance, achievements, status and possessions. I'll be reading these things out for you. It says, an arrogant person believes himself or herself to be superior to others, whether or not they have a logical reason to think so. They consider themselves more valuable, their contributions more important, and they have an excessive expectation of their abilities. Pride is a sparring to position and status of God, and pride lifts the heart against God, and it contends for supremacy with God. And the end of pride is glorification. And we all like, I think, for people to admire, admire us and self-glorification. I remember when I was growing up, one of the things I, I used to daydream about, I wanted to score the winning goal for Crystal Palace at Wembley. <laughs> because if I did, not only would we win, but you'd have got 100,000 people in those days still Wembley, and at least half of them would then be cheering when I scored the goal. And I'd be a hero. My early teenage years, I used to get hold of a tennis racket. I'd stand in front of the mirror and I'd put on one of the songs of the day and I'd play my tennis racket. And imagine I was before thousands playing my guitar and singing. That's before I even got a guitar. We have this desire to be high. Now, it's good to have good aspirations and dreams. But we need to be careful that pride is always, always lurking. Got some verses from Proverbs. There's loads of verses. I've just picked a few. It says, when pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble is wisdom. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. 
Psalm 101.5 says, Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. God will not tolerate pride. 1 Peter 5.5 says, Now God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We cannot become a Christian if we're proud. You cannot receive grace if you're proud. Because if you're proud, you think, well, I'm good enough. I'm fine. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. And many people take a long time to come to faith because they think they're okay, they think they're good. They think they're, they're, you know, they could do God a favor if they became a Christian <laughs> because they're a good person. But to be truly born again, we need to realize that we are sinners. We've lived the life our way and that we repent and then we can receive grace. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He died, he took the punishment that we deserved so we could have the blessings that his holy life deserved. It's a wonderful exchange, isn't it? That's the gospel. That's how we're able to meet together like this because we've all received this abundant provision of grace. It's wonderful. So if you want to live in grace, you need to learn to live in humility. Because it's a battle that often goes on in our lives, I think, between grace and humility. Grace and humility. I remember my again, early days in India, I used to, when I went out there, we would have various meetings and they would always advertise them. And they'd be, I always had some really good titles. You know, not often, you know, the Reverend David Eaton. And I, the best one I ever had was the Reverend Dr. David Eaton, USA. <laughs> that, for me, was the final straw. So I said, look, next time I come out, I don't want any titles. I said, you don't get those in the Bible. Reverend's not in the Bible. You, you don't get those. It was never the Apostle Paul. It was Paul and Apostle. And doctrinally, I, I, I don't like titles. And, but they kept on, David, you know, well, we, we can't call you this, we, we must give you a title, people won't come. And he, they went on like that, and he, eventually I, pride began to come up. I said, well, I want an honest title, I, I'm, I'm not reverend, but um, I've got a few letters after my names. They said, well, that will do, what are they? So I told them, BSC. <laughs> C-Eng, that's Chartered Engineer, and then M-I-C-E, Member of the Institution of Civil Engineers. Now, I was being very humble, so I didn't tell them the other ones I had. <laughs> so, so we did that, and they said, OK, OK. And I'd forgotten about it. I went out the next, next year, and they showed me the poster they had. David Eaton, BSC. C-Eng, M-O-U-S-E, mouse. 
And I said, what? What is that? All over town, I'm a mouse. I said, went to see the, the, the printer. And the printer, and I said, what have you done? He said, sir, sir, I know English. I know very good English, sir. I am good English, sir. I know, but you, sir, you are a singular. You cannot be a ma mice because that is plural. You are singular, so you must be a mouse. <laughs> I've never said a word about what I want on a poster ever since that day. God has a way of reminding us how prideful we can be. So let's look at some of the fruits of pride. First one I've got is it can stop revival. When you look at the history of revivals, a lot of them were very short-lived. And from the Great Awakening that happened, preachers like Jonathan Edwards, he said this, he said, the premature ending of the Great Awakening was due to spiritual pride. Because God blessed, thousands got saved, churches grew, but then pride came in. And eventually the revival disappeared. If you go to, to look at the Welsh revivals that happened earlier last century, most of those chapels are now empty or being converted into other things. Often it is pride. Pride undermines unity and it causes churches to split. It leads to quarrels and strife in relationships and in marriage. I would say a lot of our problems in our relationships and even in marriage is down to pride. You know, we're often too proud to admit we're wrong, too proud to say sorry, when Lorraine and I were first married, in our first few months, as you, you know, getting to know what it's like to live together, we did have a few little disagreements. Nothing major. <laughs> I have to be careful. I <laughs> Often, you know, last church she was out with the children, so I could say what I like. <laughs> but she, but we would have a slight disagreement. But I would not be the first one to say I'm sorry, or, or to put it right. And so I would do what I think quite a lot of us do. I went into silent mode. <laughs> and Lorraine couldn't stand that kind of silent mode, that, you know, that kind of atmosphere when you're not talking. And she would always be the first one to come and say, David, I'm sorry. And even though I was often in the wrong place, I'd say, well, I'm sorry too. And then after a while, I noticed this pattern, and I must have heard a message somewhere talking about, as a man, you know, I'm meant to take the initiative. I shouldn't sit back and let Lorraine do it. But it was pride. I knew I was wrong, but I wanted her to come first and say, I'm sorry. It happens, doesn't it? And we need to recognise pride in our relationships. It is, is a thing we must do our best to get rid of. Pride can ruin pastors and churches. And pride brings down leaders. There's a couple of 
verses from the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles, which is interesting. It says, it says after Isaiah became powerful, his pride left his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God. This was King Isaiah, and he was actually a good king. Beginning of the description of his reign, I think he was 16 years old when he became king, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He was a good king. He did a lot of good things. But at the end, because God blessed him so much, we read that he became proud and got God's disfavour, and he ended up with leprosy. In 2 Chronicles 32, King Hezekiah, again another king, I think he was 25 when he came to the throne, but he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. I mean, most of the kings, it starts off, but they did evil in the sight of the Lord. But again, this king did right in the sight of the Lord. And it says, but years later, it says he gave no return for the benefit that came to him and on Judah. He became very proud. But it goes on, however, Hezekiah humbled himself when God had told him what was going to happen. He humbled the pride of his heart and both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the wrath of the Lord didn't come upon them in his days. It's a, a warning for us. You know. And it's a good reminder for me because when you get old or you know, you've had a, a good life and God's blessed you, it's easy to become proud. It's easy, well, if you're comfortable, you don't tend to depend on God quite so much as when you're in trouble. And so that's a warning for folk like me not to become proud, not to become proud. Because it's easy, it's there, it seems to be there the whole time. See, each of us is very susceptible to pride. It's easier to see it in other people. And sometimes we need to say, Lord, search me and know my heart. See if there is any evil way in me. And God will do that. God, God does that. Some time ago when something happened in my ministry and God had to take quite a, what, a hard line with me. Now, I, if you'd have asked me, I've been pastoring them for 19 years and I enjoyed it. And then there was a, a, a change in leadership the senior pastor retired out. There's a big change, and it was expected for me to go and find another church. And I thought, fair enough, it was okay. And at the time, I didn't realize what God was, was doing. If you'd have asked me, I'd have said I was humble. If you'd have asked the people in the congregation, I'd have said, David's a humble man. And well, I had to learn some things. And I remember. After a, a, a while, and I couldn't find another church to go to, so, um, I ended up 
having to sign on. Still had a family ticket. And that was real hurtful to my pride. I mean, having to go twice a week, twice, twice, twice a month, every two weeks, you have to go and sign on. And because uh, they never had a job for me, because they don't have jobs for pastors in the job centre. So I did that. And then suddenly, after that, and I was saying, God, you know, you know, I, I, I needed, need a job, you know. And God, as he often does, he brought back the advice that I used to give sometimes to young men that came to me in the church when they said, David, pray for me, I need a job, I need a job. And I'd say, well, can't you get one? Oh, no, no. I said, there's lots of jobs out there. You know, this, this is Horsham, you know, there's loads of jobs. Uh, I said, you could always become a postman or a milkman. And they would say, well, don't want to do that. But then God turned those words back on me. <laughs> David, you can always be a milkman or a postman. That was in the days when milk was delivered to the doorstep. Do you remember those happy days? <laughs> and the, but, so I thought, oh, Nothing else. So I, I thought, oh, no, I looked at it and I thought, no, a milkman, I have to get there for four o'clock. A postman, five o'clock. Postman. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I applied and then I had to go to, to Gatwick for a, a test. You know, a, a test. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know, it's a little bit of addition, you know, three and five, what does that make? There's a little bit of subtraction, but you never had to do any carryover. And I thought, you know, I'm an engineer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it was pride, but I, th I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. And then they called me for the interview. And then I got a letter from them saying, we would like you to start. Please fill in this form in acceptance and then we will give you a date to start. This is on a Friday. I filled the form in, put it in the envelope, went to post it. I got to the post box. You know, I couldn't do it. I really couldn't. I don't want to be a postman. I mean, I've been a pastor for 19 years. I've been a, an engineer. And pride, I, I didn't realise how much was there. I couldn't do it. Saturday, I couldn't do it. Sunday at church, I felt so bad because it was a battle. Monday, I went and posted it. Finally did it. And I'll finish a bit more of the story later, but it was part of God having to deal with me for the next phase of my life. He wanted to see things happen to us. And we, we know the verse, all things work together for good. But as I posted that letter of acceptance, it didn't feel like it was for my good. Yeah. Five o'clock in the morning, I mean, to start. Anyway, I won't, I won't go there, I've been healed. <laughs> but there are promises of humility. And we're going to look at some of those now. In Isaiah, it says, now to this one, I will look, or this person I will esteem very highly. It talks about the, the, the uh, eyes of the Lord looking over the earth, looking 
for those who are humble in heart and fear him so he can esteem them or honour them. Proverbs 22.4 says, The rewards of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honour and life. That's a good incentive to be humble, right? 29.30 says, A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will, humble spirit will obtain honour. Whoever humbles himself, it says in Matthew 18, for as a child, he will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's a sense in which we all want to be great, right? Yes, if you're honest. But if you want to be great, we have to be the servant. We have to humble ourselves. And there's this, this thing, I think it's built into all of us about being great. I mean, I like to win. I mean, some people aren't that competitive. I like to win. Even when I used to go out running on my own, I had to beat somebody, and that had to be my time up before. And as I was preparing this, God told me I haven't changed an awful lot. You only have to talk to me or come with me on a park run on a Saturday morning to know that I like to win. I mean, I know I'm not going to win the overall thing unless about 300 people collapse. Then I might win. But if I'm going along quite humbly and nicely until I see somebody with white hair overtake me. That's it. I'm not having that. And I just recognise that this desire to be great is in many ways still there. And we can always say, well, God, you know, I want to be great for you, Lord. And I hope we do want to be good for him. We need to be good at what we do. We need to be the best that we can be. But so often we compare ourselves with others. And when we're better than someone else, we feel good. And when we're not as good, we're jealous. (laughs) Right? It's this pride. It is an insidious thing, isn't it? In our passage today, we Luke fourteen ten. It says, "When you're invited, go and recline at the last place, so that when the one who is invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will have honour amongst others." It's, we need to learn to humble ourselves and not get upset when we're overlooked, when we're not thanked for what we do. Pride is always lurking there. 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, Younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you and clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Again, God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And we need to do that. As humble people, we can receive grace. We can receive. Um, there are a couple of examples that I, I picked out I, of someone knowing what they were before. In Genesis 32.10, Jacob 
said, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown to your servant. And you'll realize that Jacob came to that place where he realized that he was a, a bit of a cheater and a trickster. He wasn't a nice man. But God blessed him and he recognized that. Um, one of my favorite verses is in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And I'll, I'll, I'll just read this up. I kind of came across this verse and I had one of the, those lovely experiences where I really felt the presence of God. I had just been on a, a trip to India in the early days and had a, a, a good time out there. And in some ways I, I couldn't believe that I could experience that and go and preach in these places because I, I didn't consider myself much of a preacher. But I was there, but on the way back, they changed the time of my flight. So I, so I had to get to the airport a lot earlier, almost a day earlier. Because in those days you had to reconfirm your flight. And they said, get, and, but my flight, this, that was to Colombo, that was the first leg of the flight, it's at Lanka, and then I had to fly on back to the UK. So when I said to the, the airline, well, what, what do I do for these, you know, almost 24 hours? They said, don't worry, we will put you up in a hotel. So I thought, that's not bad. So I got to the airport in Colombo, and they gave me a taxi. With a few others, they took me to this lovely beach hotel. I had a little room on the beach with a patio looking out to the sand, the sea. It was, it was one, oh, I'm enjoying telling you this. It, it was wonderful. Such a good day, you know, the, the pool there. And of course, the food was all included. And I, I sat down and I, I read these verses. It says, now David went in and he sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, O sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And if this were not enough, O Lord, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future house of your servant. He goes on, verse 20, says, now what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O sovereign Lord. And I thought, God, you know me. You know what I'm really like. Who am I? But God is God. And it doesn't matter in one sense who we are. You know, we, most of us can say, well, we don't think we're much, we're not nobody. But God wants to bless you. If you can be humble before God. God, I know I don't deserve it, but I thank you for what I have. Thank you for what you give to me. You see, we can never stand before God and demand, because I deserve this. You know, God doesn't deal with us that way. And it's just as well, because I don't want to receive what I deserve. My sin deserves death, separation from God. But Jesus has dealt with that at Calvary. Amen. So as we draw, getting nearer the end, we're going to look at purposeful, applications. I'm going to go through some of these very, very quickly. 
study the attributes of God, the character of God. In um, August, a bit into September, David has devised a, a series we're going to do on God is. You know, all the attributes of God, how wonderful. And when you look at how great God is, all his attributes, there's no room for pride. God is infinite, he's dependent, he's, he's free from all limitations, he's fully present, self-existing and self-dependent. I've got this nice quote from a, a writer called R.C. Sproul, he says, apart from God, I can't exist. Apart from me, God exists. So that sums up quite well. We're fragile and we need a support system to live. Psalm 39.6, it says, that, no, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty to obtain. As he's reflecting on God and who God is and who he is. Then the next thing, which I'm not really going to touch on too much, but studying the doctrines of sin and grace is very good. Things we don't seem to encourage people to study much these days, but studying doctrines is very good. Once somebody said to me, David, keep theology. I don't want to. I don't want theology. And I said to him, What is theology? Theology is basically the knowledge of God. Psychology is the knowledge of the mind. So what better? thing to study than the knowledge of God. And it's not just academic knowledge, then as Christians we know we can get to know him personally. Personally. And that's what should come out of a, a study of theology, but that really is another, another subject. Next thing is invite and pursue correction. Are you easy to correct? How do you respond to correction? And if you're corrected, the first thing that will come up will be your pride. Who are you to tell me what to do? Who are you to tell me off? That's pride, isn't it? Whether that, what they say may be true or not, it doesn't really matter. Pride will come in and defend ourselves. Who are you? I was... Remember, so when I was working as, as a postman, I had to do it for almost two years because obviously God had quite a bit of pride to get out of me. But there were two things I, I didn't like much about being a postman. One was I didn't like being called posty. <laughs> I mean, I just did, it was the time when Neighbours was on the TV a lot, and Australians called them posty. But one day, uh, delivered letters to a house and I was walking down the path and the door opened and this lady came out of the door waving letter in her hand saying, Posty, Posty, what are you doing? And I turned, you've delivered the wrong letter to my house. What are you doing? And I said, oh, so she came in 
I mean, I was already in a bad mood because she called me toasty. <laughs> I looked at it and she said, and it, I looked at it, the, it wasn't her name, it's the name of a neighbour, but the actual address was her address. But then she said, look, it's Mrs. So-and-so. She doesn't live here. I'm whatever. Can't you read? Can't? And you know, I, I was trying to get my reply right. I was thinking, I'm going to say, you silly old trout, do you know who you're talking to? Have you any idea? I've got a degree. I can read like a Bible. I've been a pastor. And I, I, the pride just came up. I really wanted to give it to them. Now, I didn't. All I said was, I have to deliver it to the address, not to the person. And I took the letter and I went and put it next to it. I, I, afterwards, the Lord said, you didn't really handle that very well, did you, David? <laughs> Hope she doesn't turn up at your church <laughs> when you go to the next week. <laughs> difficult, isn't it? The second, so, correction. We need to be open to being corrected. So next time you're corrected and you go a bit wild, just say, that's pride, recognize it, deal with it. Next thing I've got is respond humbly to trials. Things will happen in your life that you don't understand. We always want to learn to understand things. But the Bible says, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. There are things that happen, and when we go through these, these pride wants to understand. And we think that it will, if, if we could only under, understand, if only God would explain it to the, we'd be happy. But sometimes, I, God doesn't explain it to us. And sometimes I think if God did explain it to us, we haven't got the intellect to understand it. I mean, if a, a, a nuclear physicist started to explain something to me, I wouldn't have a clue what he was talking about. We have to trust God. He knows that. But we need to be humble and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust your promises. And the other thing that goes along with it is discerning your thorns. That's a reference to what happened with Paul. You can read it in 2 Corinthians, where Paul had these great revelations. He said he was taken up to the third heaven, whatever that is, and had these revelations. And, but he had a problem, a thorn in the side. Some say it's a messenger of Satan, some say it was sickness or it was like, but he had this thing and he prayed three times, Lord, take it away, take it away. <coughs> But this type of God didn't. Said, no. We don't like to hear that, do we? No. But he said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is demonstrated in your weakness. That was given to him to keep him humble. And God sometimes allows things at certain times in our life to come to humble us, to make us rely on him. Maybe you've been praying for something for a long time and you think, why hasn't God answered? Maybe 
is waiting to deal with something pride in your life or to keep you dependent on him. God's ways are often mysterious to us but he knows what he's doing. We sometimes just have to trust. Things happen to stop us being conceited. There's a couple more that I put in it. I've done had to deal when I'm dealing with, with pastors but I'm overseas on these things. It says, be prepared to be replaced. Um, there's one pastor came up to me once in, in uh, Uganda and he said, uh, he was quite upset, he said, well, the, the mission that is supporting me, you know, they, they, I, I had this conversation with them when they came out and they wanted to know what my plans were for when I died. And he said, they want me to die. You know, they don't want me anymore. They want to get rid of me. I said, no, you need to be raising up other leaders because you're not going to be around forever. I mean, the average life expectancy is under 50 years in some of these places. I said, these people weren't wanting you to die or to go. They just wanted you to do it. You are not irreplaceable. You know, often in a church, somebody will have a job. You know, just to be careful what I say here. <laughs> that is their job, their ministry and they won't let anyone else anywhere near it otherwise you're in big trouble be prepared we should always be training up others one of the things that I love about David is he's, he's will say come on come on church you, know, you come forward he'll give opportunities to people who you might not think should maybe the, but that's what it is that's what we're doing as he said, the aim of the kind of uh, the ministries, you know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, is to equip God's people to do the ministry. Amen? We don't do it all. It's to equip you to do it. Amen? But So... Charles de Gaulle said this about recognising our relative unimportance. He was the president of, of France last century. He said, graveyards are filled with indispensable people. <laughs> graveyards are filled with indispensable people. Pride thinks that no one can do it quite like me. Right? Nobody can do it quite like me. Sometimes it's just as well. <laughs> we can be replaced. God is the constant. Jesus is our constant. And the next one I've just got, laugh with others at yourself. It's a good thing to be able to laugh at yourself. One of the things that I found uh, to, over, over the years of, of teaching that people learn more from my mistakes and from my mess-ups than from my getting it right. 
people often say, David, I just love it when you, you, you said that. And I'm thinking, well, what about the main part of the message? <laughs> I love that. We need to better laugh at ourselves because we sometimes have bad days. One last story from my days of a postman. The other thing that I didn't like, apart from being called Posty, was being called Postman Pat. <laughs> now, those of you who've got children younger, oh, oh, do you remember Postman Pat? Yeah. I'm telling you, yes, you know, Postman Pat, Postman Pat, I don't know, we won't sing that. And it's black and white cat. Early, no, early in the morning. I'm not going to sing, I'm going to resist. But I didn't like, because sometimes you'd be walking down the road and somebody, normally with a, with a pushchair or a toddler, a mother or a grandmother, would say, oh look, there's Postman Pat. Hello, Postman Pat. Um, but you see, sometimes it gets, most of the time, I just played along with it. But I, I don't want to be Postman Pat with a big long nose and all the other things. Yeah. So, and, um, but, but one, one day, I must have had a bad day, or something was not going right. And this lady, grandmother, came along with a toddler in the pushchair, and she said, oh look, oh look, there's Postman Pat. Hello, Postman Pat. And then she said, Postman Pat. Where's your cat? <laughs> I said, I ate him for breakfast. <laughs> um, the horror on the face of that little child. <laughs> and I walked on and I thought, God, at this rate, I'm never going to be allowed out of the post office. <laughs> Pride sneaks up on you when you're not expecting it, doesn't it? And often when we respond like that, it's pride. But we've come now really right getting to the, to the end of, of this message. Really what I want to communicate is that, that pride is something we all have to deal with. It's not, I mean, you can't come forward and say, David, pray for the gift of humility. It doesn't work like that. It's a lifelong walk with Jesus. And the one of the things that I find that the most effective way to do it is, is to look to Jesus. I want to read to you, first of all, we're going to I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 12. It says, Now in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he, is, that he is Christ the Lord to the glory of God the Father. One of the good things that we need to do regularly is to consider 
the wondrous cross of Jesus. If we stand before the cross of Jesus, there is no room for pride. That is one of the reasons why I think we have communion, because it brings us back to what Jesus did for us. Now, in a minute we're going to sing that hymn, you know, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss, and poor contempt on all my pride. I just love those words. And it's worth, you know, doing songs like that regularly, just standing before the throne. Now I just asked them, we're going to, they're going to play this hymn on a, on a video. We'll have the words. And if you want to remain seated, just contemplate and just let God examine you know, your heart. As a commitment, God, help me not to be proud. Help me to be humble. And we can do that. So, Chris, if you can play it, you can sing it if you want to. But I think we've just remained seating. Maybe you might want to bow your head. Just, but just spend a bit of time with the Lord, humbling yourself.
Jesus, as we contemplate, Lord, all that you did for us on Calvary, as we consider this wonderful salvation we have, Lord, we realise there is no room for pride in our hearts and in our lives. And Father, we ask that you will help us, Lord, to always consider Jesus in this way. Lord, we pray that you will help us as we deal with pride. Lord, on a regular basis. Lord, we want to be your humble people, walking humbly before you, receiving the benefits of humility. So, Father, we say, you come, change us from one degree of glory into another as we become more and more humble, more and more like Jesus. So we thank you for your love and for your grace and for your patience with us. Lord, and we just want to give ourselves to you afresh this morning and say, Lord, Help us. Amen. 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 Okay. Well, thank you for coming. Uh, hopefully tea and coffee will be served, so please stay behind and, and chat. And, uh, yeah, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless. Thank you.